Amen. Amen. Hi. Um, for those of you new at The Fold, my name is Jack. I don't normally do this, but it's going to be awesome. Um, I am excited this morning. Um, as you turn in your Bibles to Luke 15, that's where we're going to be living today um, as we continue in our lectionary series, kind of following the lectionary. That's what we've been doing through the summer. Um, the lectionary is scriptures that follow a calendar, and churches around the world are in Luke 15 this morning. So it's kind of cool to be able to join with churches everywhere that are in the same passage and kind of unite with them in that. So Luke 15 is where we're going to be. Um, this is a familiar, well, familiar to me, familiar passage that I've heard preached a lot, um, that I feel like I've heard used in a lot of different ways. But um, this morning, I think the Lord wants us to notice something important. So let's read it together. It's Luke 15, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, bless you, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your presence this morning, for allowing us to gather, to sing, just to hear each other singing, Lord. Lord, I pray that um, this morning you would begin to change our perspective. That we can see with fresh eyes and receive with softened hearts what you're saying to us. Amen. Have you ever lost something? I feel like I have the tendency to lose things all the time. Um, and nine times out of ten, it's, it's this thing right here. Or it's my car keys. Or it's something that I just set down <laughs> in my house after getting home from work, tired from the day, whatever. And then the next time I need it, I have no idea where it is. Has anybody done that before? Um, no? Was there? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, one time I lost my car keys and we didn't find them for days. We like went through our entire house 
cleaned everything, like searched under everything and everything. I retraced my steps. I went back to work in a different car, obviously. Um, and a couple, a couple days later, we were like just sitting in the yard together and our son, he was two at the time. He's like, look, daddy, what's that? And he like walks over and he just like picks up my, my car keys. They're just <laughs> sitting in our yard. So then beyond the wondering what could have happened if a stranger had just picked up my car keys, they were just laying in the yard. We were thankful to have them back, right? Um, but yeah, I, I lose things all the time. And I don't know if it's just forgetfulness, just whatever. But one thing as I was thinking about this, um, just thought of losing things, about a year ago, I started playing disc golf. Um, so there's that. It's taken up, <laughs> taken up a lot more of my time than I'd like to admit. Um, but you've probably heard CJ mention how competitive he is. Well, he is a distant second to me. Because um, I, I am the most competitive person I know. So when I like start doing something, I go all in. I want to be the best. Don't want to settle for less kind of thing. So whatever. Um, all that to say, I started playing disc golf with, uh, with Tanner and Steven um, and some other guys and different things. I distinctly remember the majority of that first year of playing disc golf was most of the time is looking for something that I threw in the woods. Couldn't find it. There's even one time that uh, Tanner and I were playing a, a disc golf course in Powdersville and we were, we only had a limited amount of time. We were just going to play like nine of the holes. And we spent at least 75% of our time. Both of us threw a disc on the same hole. We both lost our disc. We spent digging around in the weeds, in the woods and whatever. And they might still be there somewhere because we never found them. Um, at some point, we just kind of gave up and we're like, well, it was just a $10 piece of plastic. So I guess we'll look again or I guess that's it. But. Have any of you lost anything? Maybe you, maybe you spent an unreasonable amount of time trying to find it. Maybe you spent, um, maybe you got the help of your friends and neighbors or just to find it because it was something you wanted back. That's kind of how um, Jesus is using these parables to explain something. Jesus speaks a lot in parables. And what the parables do is, they set a truth that's trying to be explained beside something that we understand. So in this time, he's talking about shepherds and coins and sheep um, sweeping your house, something that people that were listening to Jesus would have understood. But it, it's not what he's trying to say on the surface that is the message, right? So let's look at this. This passage begins saying that the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him. So who are these people? The tax collectors. um, If any of you know anything about this period of time, these would have been considered traitors to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. Um, Basically what they did is they worked for Rome. They were Jews. Um, They worked for Rome to collect taxes, but they were basically allowed to keep whatever they collected above that. And so to the Jewish people, tax collectors were viewed as traitors. They were um, 
essentially in opposition to the Jewish people because they were stealing, they were making wealth off of their own people. Um, And then sinners would have been people that were considered irreligious or ones that didn't keep the law. Still Jews, but maybe they were prostitutes. Maybe they were um, just people that, people of the land in some ways. I've heard that said before. These would have been viewed as sinners. It doesn't really specify. But they were drawing near to Jesus. And we see this a lot with Jesus. There's multiple passages we view in Scripture where people that were considered outcasts, Jesus was drawing near to them and they were drawing near to him. And they're doing something here. They're eating. We kind of read that and we're like, okay, yeah, they're sharing a meal. But in this time when you dine with someone, it's a pretty intimate act. You're in close quarters. You're eating with your hands. They're double dipping. (laughs) So like, it's a pretty intimate thing to be with tax collectors and sinners. And it says the Pharisees, um, they're there too. But what sparks these stories, these parables that Jesus tells is that the Pharisees say, why does this man receive sinners and tax collectors? Who would agree that the culture we live in today is a pretty divisive one. Whether we'd like to believe it or not, we all have an us versus them mentality to some extent. Hopefully we don't, and hopefully we can learn to come out of that. But whatever side of the political spectrum you fall, whatever side of the economic spectrum you fall, there's an us versus them mentality. And for the Pharisees, it's no different. Why would Jesus dine with those people? So Jesus, he hears this, and he intentionally and carefully tells them three parables. And so directed at the Pharisees, and he knows their heart, he says, what man of you having a hundred sheep? And the, the Pharisees would have been immediately offended because they're being compared to shepherds. Which in this, in this time, just above the tax collectors and the sinners would have been shepherds. They tended the flocks 24-7. They didn't have time to go to the temple because you're watching sheep. So to be, put yourself in the mindset of a shepherd... Again, Pharisees are offended. So it starts off with, with, with that, they're offended. It may not look like it, but I grew up on a farm. And <laughs> of all the things I learned, my parents are here, by the way, but, um, and all the things I learned growing up on the farm, livestock are not very smart. I remember, now, we didn't have sheep. My dad had cattle. But um, I remember, you know, late nights when a neighbor would call and say, your cow's out. And then 
my dad would get in his truck and you got to find the cow. You got to find where the fence is broken. You got to repair the fence. You got, there's a whole lot of things just to keep livestock contained. And it's not because they're trying to escape. It's probably because, oh, there was a nice looking piece of grass on that side of the fence and they tore the fence up just to get to it. But in the same way, sheep are not very smart. And sheep are talked about a lot through scripture. Comparisons are made to us as sheep. And you can see the comparison made there. Um, Sheep don't have very good eyesight. They're a flocking animal, so they stay to groups. And likely the sheep that has run off didn't even realize what it was doing until it was too far away from the flock. So what he says here is that the shepherd would leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost because the sheep is that important to the shepherd. But not only that, when he finds it, he gathers his friends and neighbors and they rejoice saying he has found his lost sheep. Then the next parable is similar, but there are some differences. So he says, Jesus begins again, what woman having 10 silver coins? And again, the Pharisees are immediately offended. This is a highly patriarchal society. And now they were compared to shepherds. Now they're being compared to women. Our society has come a long way from that society. We still have a long way to go. But the Pharisees would have been offended. Put yourself in the shoes of a woman. Why would, they, why would, they, why would a Pharisee, you know, like there's, there's offense taken at that. So she loses a coin. Um, and this coin was a drachma, would have been a day's wage. So you could imagine working all day and then losing your paycheck. It's more like that than losing a penny or a keepsake. Um, But again, she searches diligently. She lights a lamp, sweeps the entire house until it's found. And then again, in this one, when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbors, and they rejoice for what was lost was found. So one thing, one thing that I think it's worth noticing, um, and again, even reading this with our minds in the present, it's so easy to see how divisive things can be. And not only that, but we want to pick sides. We want to be on the side of the good guys. We want there to be, we, when we read these stories, like we want to see like who's the good person, who's the the villain, right? And so it's easy to paint the Pharisees as the villain, but I don't think they are. There definitely is somewhat of an adversarial relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees through uh, the Gospels. But I think it's more that they're getting in his way than that Jesus doesn't like the Pharisees. Because I would actually say that Jesus loves the Pharisees. 
So when we read this, you know, CJ says a lot, the way we hear the voice of Jesus says a lot about our theology. I don't think he's mad at the Pharisees for asking the question. I think he loves them just as much as the sinners and tax collectors. Because if we back up and look at God and Jesus is the image of God, no one comes to the Father but through him. So if, if God loves everyone, then Jesus loves everyone. But the Pharisees are hard-headed. It's different trying to reach the tax collectors and sinners than trying to reach the Pharisees. And I think Jesus is trying to do both things here. So when he, when he says these parables, he's speaking to everyone in the room, and people are in different places. For the Pharisees, they hear this, and they're most likely so offended that they, don't, they, they miss it. They just miss, maybe they miss the point completely. Maybe some of them get it, and maybe it's for the first time. And I think we, we can be so much like them, and we don't want to admit it, but we can be so hard-headed that we can so easily miss what the Lord is trying to do. Because I, re- because I think it's important... For the lectionary, that's where the, that's where the scripture stops. But I'm going to keep reading because there's a third parable that Jesus says, and it's in the same context, it's at the same time, um, and I'm going to read it. But I want you to think that this parable is not just for the sinners and tax collectors in the room. It's for the Pharisees. So as I read this, this is going to start in verse 11, if you want to follow along. Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. So the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, it took some time to liquidate the assets. Let's be real. Like it wasn't, didn't just like give it to him. The younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave anything to him. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, 
Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and he is now alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they all began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he began to hear music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and said, what do these things mean? And the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go into the house. His father came out and entreated him. He begged him to come inside. But he said to his father, Look, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed, and you never gave me a young calf that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother is dead, was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is now found. So it's it's interesting to me how much more detail that third one has that kind of sums up the first two. Parables, right? And there's a lot of detail there. And honestly, we could spend a whole sermon series dissecting each one of these parables. Um, But I think something that's interesting... that all three of these parables have to do with is something that the Pharisees could have identified with, and it was possessions. Someone that has a hundred sheep, whoever employs those shepherds is probably a wealthy person. The woman, on the other hand, if the ten coins was all she had, it's not a very wealthy person. And she lit a lamp, so it's likely her house didn't even have windows. Maybe it was a small house, I don't know. But this this third parable, it's interesting. Somehow we we want to put our we put ourselves in the shoes of the younger brother because we've all been there. We've all been lost, and maybe maybe you've received the grace of the Father in returning to him. But what did, the, what did the younger son want? He wanted he wanted his share of the possessions. And then when we look at it, what did the older son want? He was upset that now that the son was back, his half of the inheritance was getting used to celebrate the younger son. 
So really this third parable, it's known as the prodigal son, the lost son. It should be called the lost sons because the father has lost the heart of both of his sons. And this mirrors so well with, on the one hand, you've got sinners and tax collectors. And on the other hand, you've got Pharisees. And in some ways, very different ways, they've missed the heart of the Father. Maybe today, um, I think there's two perspectives that we can have hearing these uh, parables. Maybe today you are lost and you don't realize it. And you've wandered so far away that you might not even realize it. But the the truth is, is that Jesus is pursuing you. And I think what's interesting about the coin is that the coin was lost in the house. So maybe today you haven't strayed from the faith, but you do feel lost. Or maybe you feel like something is missing in your life. I mean, the past two years would be enough for anyone, right? So maybe, maybe where you sit today, you know, you haven't, haven't abandoned the faith per se, but maybe you feel a little bit lost this morning. The good news is that Jesus is still pursuing you because he pursued the tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees. He leaves the 99 to find the one, but he also sweeps the entire house to find the lost coin that's still his. You know what's interesting about the coin is that it was lost, but it didn't lose its value. And I think that's something that a lot of us need to hear this morning is that maybe you would say, like, Jesus is Lord of my life, and I want to follow him, and I want to surrender to him. But maybe you are feeling a little bit lost in the world, in your life, wherever that may be. What I want to tell you this morning is that that may be true, but your value in no way has diminished. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe a friend dragged you here this morning, but I want to tell you that your value is precious to the Father.
So here's what I wanna do kind of as I close this morning. I just wanna take some time and maybe, maybe you need to find um, your fold group leader or someone in your fold group. CJ's here in the back, like if you need to talk to someone or there's plenty of people that would be willing to pray with you or hear your story, whatever it may be, but Jesus gives us space to feel lost, but that doesn't mean he stopped pursuing us. So this morning, as we respond, as we continue to worship, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need to um, grab someone and just um, share what you're going through. We have space for that in this room. One thing, the last thing I want us to notice before we, before we close up, It's two things. Again, I'll repeat it. Jesus is pursuing us. Whatever side of the road we fall on, whatever side of the spectrum, hierarchy, whatever, Jesus is pursuing you. And not only that, but when he finds you and when you find him, he rejoices. And all of heaven rejoices. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for the truth that you pursue us In every season, in every circumstance, in every situation, whether we see it or not, Lord, you pursue us. And Lord, this morning, um, as we continue to sing, I pray that you just give us eyes to see maybe where we've missed it. Maybe where we've missed the pursuit. Lord, allow us just to receive that truth. of the joy that you have for us.